Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we talk about the but sports for the duration of the show. Just a quick reminder, if you guys missed the Survivor podcast, you can find us on the archives by going to blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE or by going to iTunes, Amazon, uh, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, and so on and so forth. Currently, uh, we, have, we have Lou and Diane with us tonight to talk some sports. And uh, I don't know how long we're going to be on here, if we're going to do the full three hours or if we're going to do only two. Uh, but uh, we do have some things uh, to get to tonight. Uh We'll, of course, discuss the NBA in-season tournament, uh, as well as a whole bunch of NFL injuries that are going on. Uh, Maybe we'll dive a little bit into college football, potentially. Uh, The NHL, obviously, of course, is in full swing, so we will take a look at the standings in the NHL, uh, as well as maybe some potentially troubling news in the NFL for one of the uh, biggest uh, NFL teams of the last two decades. So, uh, Meaning, first off, Lou and Diane, how, how are you two doing tonight? We're doing okay. So, you're probably thinking of uh, the Patriots because they have, uh, of course, uh, flagged off since Brady left. Yeah, possibly. Uh, well, you know what? Why, why don't we get to that? Why don't we get to that uh, straight yeah, off the yeah. bat here? Because... Uh, there has been a whole bunch of rumors that maybe perhaps Bill Belichick could potentially be on a, I mean, obviously he is on the hot seat, but it's gotten to the point where he could potentially be fired. By the wow. end of if the if the Why? Patriots do He's not the win, coach the wow, the money yes, is falling. Yes, but uh, if the Patriots do not win tomorrow in Germany, which by the way, for any fans, uh, tomorrow's game begins at nine thirty a.m. Eastern because they are in Germany. Yep. So uh, it's. There's uh, rumors going around that Belichick could potentially be shown the door if the Patriots fall to two and eight. Matter of fact, one of the one of the one of one of the ESPN reporters, uh, Mike Reese, who specifically covers the Patriots, has said that he would be flying back to the States early just in case something were to happen. Now, normally if some, if somebody like him, if somebody like him is reporting something like that, normally that means it has, it potentially has wings. So that's what, that's what's kind of worrying me here 
And yeah. now, and I, you know, I know, I know, uh, a whole a whole bunch of people are saying that you know, uh, you know, they're getting fed up with the Patriots and yeah. how they've been handled over you know over the last couple of years since Brady left and another thing too is you take a look at the at, at Mac Jones the last couple of years and you know people people uh, have been sort of debating the case is it all on Mac, is it all Mac Jones or is it potentially on the coaching staff uh, we saw Matt Patricia get fired, who was one of uh, one of Bill Belichick's uh, uh, not only close friends, but you know he's one of the he's one of the members of the Bill Belichick coaching tree, so to speak. Uh, you know we saw them bring back Bill O'Brien, and instead of improving, Mac Jones has instead gone back to being uh, the same exact quarterback he was last year. So, yeah, obviously, of course, though, uh, the thing that is different between Bill Belichick and other NHL co- – or, I mean, other NFL coaches is that he's also the general manager of the New England Patriots. So, you know, some people do place the blame on him solely, mainly because, yeah. okay, coaching it may not be an issue, but – He's the one responsible for the players that we have that 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 are on the team today, and not to mention uh, missing on certain uh, when he's had the opportunity to draft certain players like AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, uh, Jalen Hurts, and instead he's he's decided to go with other with other players who have fizzled out and were never. You know, we're ne- we're never really much of a uh, much of a threat to actually, to, to, you know, to become actual stars. So, I, we we look at Bill Belichick's age. He's seventy one years old. You know, oh, he boy. he is partly responsible for six Super Bowl rings coming to the Patriots. Uh, obviously, he was a he also was a two time Super Bowl champion. Uh, previously, I believe it was with the Giants, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Um, he he had been a two time Super Bowl champion as an assistant before he came over to New England. Uh, considering the fact that he's what twenty uh, some odd wins away from Don Shula, I believe for the most all time. Something like that, yeah. Who's Don? He was the head coach for the Dolphins. For the Miami oh, Dolphins, okay. uh, he he was the legendary. Uh, he he was uh, partly responsible for the uh, for the legendary perfect season. The only perfect season in the league to this day. Yep. Yeah. So. I mean, you take a look at his record, uh, 300 career wins in the regular season, 159 career losses. Though, of course, if we break it down just based on New England, 
Uh, right now, he has 264 wins, 115 losses with New England, with a 30-12 and 12 postseason record with New England, six Super Bowl wins. Uh, a lot of people believe that he should have been – I mean, he, he was named three-time uh, NFL Coach of the Year, uh, 2003, 2007, and 2010. There are a few people that argue that he could have had at least two more Coach of the Year titles based off of some of the unbelievable runs uh, that the Patriots have had with him with uh, lesser talent, I guess we could say. Uh, with lesser today. talent, like I remember the uh, the years that they had Aaron Dobson and Kembrell Tompkins as their as their yeah. two uh, as their two starting receivers, and yet somehow they still made the playoffs. Uh, not to mention them making the playoffs when Brady went down with his injury for the season. And they ended up having have Matt back. Castle be the starting quarterback. Uh, so I mean, you you take a look at you take a look at Belichick's resume: eight Super Bowl wins, the most as a, uh, the most Super Bowl wins total as any type of coach, the most Super Bowl wins as a head coach with six, yeah, uh, the most Super Bowl appearances with twelve, the most Super Bowl appearances as a, as a head coach with nine. He also holds the record for the most playoff wins as a head coach with 31. Uh, he is tied for the most playoff appearances as a head coach with 19. And he has also held the record for the most divisional championships won as a head coach with 17. I'll be right back. Okay. Um, so, you know, I, I think the one thing that is – that that is uh, at play here is even if they drop to two and eight, should Bill Belichick be shown the door mid-season, or if they're going to let go of him at all, should they wait until the end of the season, just to uh, in in respect to everything he has done for the organization. I think right, what what are your ring. thoughts, Diane? I think we should wait until the end of the season. I mean, that would be that would that would at least be the respectful thing to do, right? Right. Not even that, but if we fire a coach mid-season, it's hard to get another coach mid-season. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean it's 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 hard enough to get another coach uh period uh especially mid-season. But the fact is, you know, they do have Gerard Mayo uh who was supposedly promised that he was going to have a bigger role uh at some point moving forward. Um, can I, who are they? Who's Gerard Mayo? Uh, he is one of the defensive coordinators and he also played under Belichick as a member of the Patriots as well. Uh, but he had to retire uh, from the sport due to injuries. So he went from playing to coaching, basically. Okay. But let me br- let me bring in Alex. Uh, I-, I know Lou. I know Lou will be back at some point. Um, I guess he had to he had to take a call or something. Uh, Alex, we're discussing uh, the possibility that Bill Belichick may potentially be fired. Uh, 
after if the Patriots somehow fall to two and eight. And wow. considering his considering his resume, uh, that 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 and everything that he's done for the Patriots, wouldn't the respectable thing to be, uh, or wouldn't the respectable thing be uh, to wait until after the season is over? Absolutely. Part yeah. ways with him. Yeah. Yes. What's up, guys? Yeah, I definitely think it's it's the right. He's earned that right. He's earned that level of respect. I mean, all the hard work and all the years of really, really incredible success. I know it's times have become really, really tough, but you got to give the man the respect that at the end of yeah. all these years, I mean, he's got to go out on a high note. He's not some fly by night, cool. like one or two year coach. Uh, he's definitely not Josh McDaniels who deserves to get canned in the middle of the night, in the middle of the week. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. It, right and, now. And not only that, yeah, exactly. Lou. Not only that, I mean, they, um, they can do a gentleman's shake, just a quiet agreement behind closed doors and kind of have yeah. him, you know, announce that he's going to be moving on. They don't even really have to fire him. They can basically say, hey, look, we're going to make a change, but you can announce, we're going to announce that you're resigning. At the end of the year, yes. that's the way to keep it really, the damage control, you know, and leave yeah. it as a respectful ending. That, people do that all the time in the corporate world as well as in the coaching world. You just... You, you can either announce that you're resigning, that you no longer want to be the coach, or if we have to, if you don't want to do that, then we'll we'll announce we're, we're letting you go. And then he'll quietly say, okay, and he'll announce his resignation. And that's what they or say. We do, or as the old saying goes, you had to fire me. I quit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, yeah, kind of I would, well, I would put the ball. I would, I would give Phil. If anybody wants to judge McDaniels, can you tell me? <laughs> Josh McDaniels is the former he's the former head coach of the Vegas Raiders who got fired uh a couple weeks about two weeks ago uh due to their poor start to the season and he's also the former longtime offensive coordinator under Bill Belichick with the Patriots. Mm-hmm. And okay. a lot of people a lot of people had suggested that before he had gone on to Vegas that he would eventually be Bill Belichick's successor in New England. Right. What do you think? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I I, I think he would have been the successor to Belichick if Belichick had retired a couple of years ago. Like if he had, if he had retired, Say after the Patriots last one last won their last Super Bowl uh, back in uh, I think it was 2019. If they had if he had retired after they beat the Rams, I think McDaniel's possibly would have been given the uh, would have been given the the spot of of head coach. But you know, and then he he ended up leaving for Vegas along with Dave Ziegler, who is no longer the general manager of Vegas either. Uh, so, you know, he, he had his opportunity basically. And a lot of people, a lot of people are kind of saying, well, maybe, uh, the reason why he was getting so much praise as an offensive coordinator was mainly because of of just how great, uh, you know, Tom Brady was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I think Steve, I mean, 
they, they have some really good options. I mean, it's a really proud franchise, big market, awesome fans, you know, Super Bowl trophies pretty full. I mean, that's a pretty awesome job. So, I don't know, man. I, McDaniels, to me at least, I mean, he's proven two two times in a row he's been fired in the middle of the year. I mean, that guy's – I don't think he should be viable, a good option for them. I'd like, I'd like what you said about Mayo or – I think Mike Rabel would be awesome to get him out of Tennessee, and I think he would take that to go back home to New England. Who's I mean, they like oh, yeah. You know, yeah. You know, you know, it's, Rabel's another it's, former. It's kind of funny uh, when you former, bring up. Rabel's a former Patriot, Diane. Yep. Okay. Yeah, he's a former Super Bowl, a, a former part of the Super Bowl winning defense of the original uh, dynasty. Yeah, really started. Back in the early yeah, people 2000s. People him there. And he's been a heck of a head coach in Tennessee. I really like him. I mean, he he'd be a yeah. He, that'd be a that'd be a slam dunk. That'd be a, I think that would have to be if I had to bet that'd be their first option that they'd love to do. If I were Kraft, I think what Kraft would think. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's uh, supposedly that's what's been reported uh, that their slam dunk option, uh, if they can get him, is Vrabel. I mean, he was literally just inducted to the Patriots Hall of Fame, so. It makes sense to to bring him on board if if they if he if if Tennessee somehow which I think that I think they're on crack if they do this if they somehow uh, move they on from him, uh, you know I think Vrabel would be an excellent option uh, to replace Belichick. And I should I should correct myself uh, from earlier. Uh, they wouldn't fire Belichick. It would be a mutual parting of ways, according to Diana Russini, right. uh, formerly of ESPN, Ooh. now working for The Athletic. Uh, Diana Russini uh, said her sources, her sources bet that if they, if they were to put money on this, they would bet that there would be a mutual parting of ways at the end of the mm. season between both sides. Really the way they could do it, yeah, I mean, he's had such a really an awesome career with them. It's just it's bad that it has to end like this. But you know, a lot of a lot of things in life that that happens. You can't stay the best forever, and you know, it's like they, if they have to make a change, they're going to at least you know let him down softly. They're not going to make a huge deal out of oh we're firing him. He'll be able to resign, I think. Right now, here's the thing that I here's the thing that I uh, that I want to get straight here. If we're losing Belichick, we better be getting a new GM too. Because I, I'm sorry, yeah. I trust Belichick to coach. I do not trust Belichick to to manage this team anymore. Uh, no. In terms of in terms of a front office perspective, as a coach, I still trust Belichick as a coach. But as a roster builder, I do not trust him as a roster builder anymore. I mean, you take a look at. All of the you, t- you take a look at all the uh, all the players he passed on in previous drafts, who have gone on to be stars. When the Patriots have had the opportunity to draft them, I mean, just to name a few again: AJ Brown, Jalen Hurts, DK Metcalf. Those are three stars that the Patriots could have potentially had when when their time came to draft. And instead, they went with people like Nikhil Harry, Tyquan Thornton, uh, Jesus, uh, Isaiah yeah. Wynn, Tony Michelle, 
Although, to be fair, I think the Sony Michelle uh, option was warranted, considering the fact that uh, LeGarrette Blunt was close to being on his way out. So, uh, right. obviously, they took a risk with Michelle because of his knee uh, because of his knee issues. But I still believe that Michelle uh, that Michelle was worth that first round pick because he brought yeah, he you can't... a Super Bowl in his first year. Which was, by the way, his most productive year. Yeah. No, I mean, it's pretty damning. I mean, the person to put in, look at this. You nailed it, Steve. I mean, you really – coaching is a big deal, but you need the roster. You need the players. The players are ultimately not the coach, and their their draft has not not been good at all in recent years. I mean, they're not as fast or as physical as other teams, especially the speed. They don't have the the weapons. We've said that over and over again. I mean, they they at least got to they got to make a move at GM too. You're totally right. Yeah, I mean, let just take a look at this past, at this past draft class. Just just to just to give an uh, an example here. Um. Yeah, hang on, hang on a minute. This thing is loading. Okay, so first round, the first round this year, they take Christian Gonzalez. Now, obviously, his season was cut short due to injury, but he was showing that he was he was showing that he was going to be a star before the injury. Uh, Keon White, I thought Keon White is a good pick. Uh, so far, in the absence of uh, in the absence of Matthew Judon, he's been really stepping up. Uh, by the way, Matthew Judon, that was one hell of a signing recently by Belichick uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, third round, they take Marte Mapu, who has barely seen the field out of Sacramento State. I mean, that's like a wa- that's basically a waste of a third round pick. But you know what Belichick does? Belichick cares about value. Yes, he cares more about value than about actually, you know, drafting talent. Uh, Then he takes Jake Andrews out of Troy, which, I mean, I guess, you know, the more offensive line people, the better. Uh, Oh, yeah, Cole Strange. That's enough. Oh, my God. That's uh, to take a third-round pick in the first round. Yeah. When you have other – when you have other better talents available ahead of him at the offense on the offensive line, it, it it's still mind boggling to me, even, even uh, so far this year, yeah. uh, Saidi Sow in the fourth round, Saidi Sow so far has been good uh, in spurts. Antonio Mafi has been an absolute disaster. Uh, Kayshawn Boutte, I can't really say anything about him because Belichick has, has put him in the doghouse ever since he dropped that pass in week one. Uh, Bryce Berenger, obviously we needed a new punter, so Berenger makes the most sense, and he's had a hell of a season so far. Demario Douglas, finally when they've given him time to actually he's play, he's showing, that, he's showing that he should have been drafted earlier than the sixth round. Um, that uh, that then they then he took a couple of uh, a couple of 
special teamers in the sixth and seventh rounds, which I, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't understand. But regardless, you know, uh, I mean, right. wait a minute, which draft class was it that? Hang on, I gotta find which draft class it was. It was a twenty-two or was it twenty-one? Um, it might have been twenty-one because there, there's one. Yeah, I think it was. Or no, maybe it's maybe it's twenty. Because there's one draft class that has basically fizzled out completely. Uh, let me see. Yeah, 21, they took Cole Strange with their first-round pick, which was an absolute reach out of Tennessee Chattanooga. Uh, then they take Tyquan Thornton in the second round when they could have had George Pickens. Uh they take Marcus Jones, who, granted, I can't really say anything about this pick because he's been uh, – he didn't even play a single game this season due to uh, suffering a season-ending injury. Um, okay, so Jack yeah. Jones with the gun issues, and now apparently uh, apparently he's been blacklisted kind of by Belichick uh, for his attitude, supposedly. Um, yeah. Pierre Strong was traded – Bailey Zappi, Bailey Zappi wasn't even good enough to stick around as a backup quarterback that they that they originally cut him before the season before bringing him back. Uh, oh, oh, let's not Kevin forget Hester. the Jets, uh, J.C. Jackson. The uh, they brought him back yeah. the mega contract he got in San Diego, L.A. Chargers. Chargers benched him, and then Belichick brings him back, and then he's benched for the rest of the year for being late to different things. Yeah, you know that, that's just kind of a lot of discipline. I think that on. I think the whole thing the whole thing with J.C. Jackson, uh, that just kind of screams to me because he was undrafted when the Patriots brought oh, yeah. him in. When the Patriots originally brought him in, he was undrafted, and he was actually a very good coverage guy. Uh, I don't yeah. know what the hell happened. Uh, maybe it's because he yeah. got paid, and because of that, he felt like he didn't really need to. You know, he had already gotten his bag, so to speak, so he didn't really need to do anything else. Uh, but, you know, it, he was, before he got paid, he was a great cornerback, a, a great coverage cornerback. Right. Yeah. Uh, ooh, yeah, the 2021 class, apart or 2022, apart from a couple of people who are still on the team, most of that class has basically been a washout, essentially. Uh, sure. 2021, obviously Mac Jones. Christian Barmore has been great since they drafted him. Ronnie Perkins washed out. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, Stevenson was great for, for a year, and then all of a sudden it's like uh, I think it's partially because of the offensive line that Belichick apparently does not know how to build a good offensive line anymore. <laughs> kind of important. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's Stevenson. I mean, that's, you got to have blockers. you got to have daylight. you got to yeah, have room I, to run. I mean, that's, that's why Stevenson has been, you know, he's had a whole bunch of games this year where he's had like only 30 yards rushing. It's because literally the offensive line either A, isn't good enough, or B, some of them just don't give a shit. Looking at you, Trent Brown. Um, I'll take option B. Cameron McGrone, he washed out. Joshua Bledsoe, uh, he's 
see games here or there, here and there, but he's not really, uh, you know, he's not really much of a uh, impact safety. William Sharman, he or Sherman, he washed out. Trey Nixon washed out. Uh, yeah, the twenty, the twenty twenty one class looks horrific. I'll put it that way. And the twenty twenty draft. 2020 draft, they they trade their first-round pick to the Chargers, which was number 23 overall. In the second round, they took Kyle Duggar and Josh Uche. Now, I remember shitting on the Duggar pick as soon as it was made. But you look at what he's done since then, since being drafted uh, by the Patriots out of Lenore Rhine uh, University, and he's been out. He's been phenomenal on defense. So I, now I have no problem with that pick. Uh, Anthony Jennings, he's oh, we got a brawl going on here right now in Montreal. Okay. Boston, Who's Boston, and, and the Habs. Boston, uh, Montreal. Well, it's tight tied right now two to two but uh they tried swarming the net uh and now oh somebody's getting in swayman's face i think it was gallagher's getting in swayman's face swayman started throwing punches while everybody was uh was, was still scrambling attempting to get the puck in the net uh it looks like cooler heads have prevailed though but it's uh that was a mess let me see. Oh, no, he made that save. And his helmet was off too. Swayman's helmet was uh, was was pulled off as well in the uh, in the whole oh, bracket. Uh, but anyways, um, continuing on with the 2020 draft class, you know, Anthony Jennings. He's had sporadic time. Uh, actually, he was a full. He's a full time starter, I think, now this year. Uh, Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene no longer on the team. And Asiasi, I, I truly feel uh, injuries plagued his time in New England. So once they brought in Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry, he became an afterthought, essentially. Uh, Justin Rohrwasser in the fifth round, a kicker out of Marshall with the, with the uh, Nazi tattoos or the uh, – uh, not Nazi, but they uh, he he had white supremacist tattoos. That right there is a complete a complete miss by Belichick to begin with, and then he <laughs> proved that he he proved that he was a shit kicker. So yeah. you know he never even made the active roster. Michael Onwenu though in the sixth round has probably been our best guard that we've drafted in a long time. I, I, I would actually say right now that Onwenu is probably the best offensive lineman that we still have today. Out of the sixth round out of Michigan. But uh, some of the other ones, Justin Heron, he washed out. Cash Mailua, he washed out. Dustin Woodard, he washed out. Then you have 2019. And this will be the last one that I'll cover. Uh, Nikhil Harry. What a joke that was. Joe Juwan yeah. Williams. Joe Juwan Williams, see Nikhil Harry. Chase Winovich, for some reason, ended up in Belichick's doghouse after every positive play that he would make. 
I never <laughs> understood it, but whatever. Pretty, pretty easy to get. Pretty easy to get in Belichick's doghouse. He's like a pretty moody, uh, yeah. pissed-off individual. Every, he's a pretty unhappy person. Yeah. Uh, Damian Harris, he was great, but for some reason the Patriots didn't want to pay him two million dollars this offseason, so they let him go. Uh, okay. Yanni Kajust, he was. I mean, he he saw he saw games here and there, but he didn't really do that much. Uh, Hjalt Froholt, washout. Jarrett Stidham, <laughs> I can't believe the Patriot. I can't believe Patriots fans thought this guy was going to be the future after Brady. Um, washout. Uh, Byron Cowart didn't even see a single game, I don't think. Uh, Jake Bailey was great for a couple of years and then washed out for some reason. Uh, and then Ken Webster never even saw the team. So, I mean, Belichick, needless to say, has been very hit and miss with a couple of the with, with a couple of the more recent draft uh, rounds. So, with the Patriots being poised to have a high draft pick this year, do I, if as a Patriots fan, do I want to see Belichick in charge of this year's draft? No, no. If he has a high draft pick and he decides, huh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is here. Like, let's say Caleb Williams is taken and uh, uh, what's his name from uh, uh, – and Michael Penix is taken, let's say, for example. And you have Marvin Harrison Jr. out there on the board. Yes. And Belichick will be like, hmm, do I want to take Marvin Harrison Jr. or, or do I want to go for value and take some bum fuck out of East Illinois? <laughs> I think I'm going to take that bum fuck out of East Illinois. I think it's the last I would love. I'm not trying to diss Max, but maybe it's time for a change there. Wouldn't you like Marvin Harrison Jr.? I think the best wide receiver prospect in like ten years, man. This guy's insane. He's got five TDs in the last two weeks playing wide receiver. Six foot four. You bet. Add him, and then maybe Cousins. Or give Mac a run. This give Mac a year. I mean, with this guy's like the new the new Randy Moss. Marvin Harrison, man. Patriots win. Yeah. I think Marvin Harrison him, Jr. Marvin Harrison Jr. is the only way I would consider giving Mac one more year. Yeah. I go Cousins if they and go Mac, one more, I'd go, I'd go Cousins if they and take Harrison Mar- right away. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I don't. Th- I don't think Kirk. I don't. Th- I don't think they would shell out the money for Cousins though. Yeah. But if they if they take Marvin Harrison Jr. in the first round, that right there tells me that they're giving Mac at least one more year. Well, yeah, at that point, it's like if you finally, finally give him the shiny toy to play with and then you get rid of him, it's not fair to Mac. He's been asking, right. he's been looking around for help for two years. And that, okay, we finally got your guy, and, but we're letting you go. Yeah, you're right. If they're going to finally add a weapon, you might as well keep Mac. And then if you can't do it with him, then then he's definitely done. I mean, let's let's go over to you, Lou. Do you feel there's any confidence that Belichick, uh, like like if Belichick were to stay, yeah, would it be better for him to stay as a coach or for him to stay as a general manager? Probably stay the general manager. I mean, you know. 
he was a great coach, but you know that was you know, you know so long ago. I mean, he's not as you know the team was not as dominant. I mean, I think he's probably lost a step. I think, and you know, considering his age too, uh, I think maybe now the time is to you know give up with the coaching and just stick as a general manager. I think it's going to be the smart move. Uh, I just I don't I don't know about general manager because the one hmm. thing he loves the thing that he loves is he loves value as opposed yeah. to talent. I mean, yeah. So yeah, the he, thing that he, hasn't, he hasn't been good as a GM though, man. I mean, if you look at it, they pick they haven't really made good draft picks. That's the job of the GM. I don't. I'd rather rely on talent, though, to be honest. I mean, I don't know. Is he going to start getting smart at when he's like 75 years old suddenly? He's he's proven that he's not really good with with picking picking draft picks. Right. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, to be fair, though, to be fair, though, you take a look at some of the people that they've drafted over the last 10 years, that Belichick has drafted over the last 10 years. Joe Tooney. Shaq Mason, James White, Dante Hightower, Michael Onwenu, Trey Flowers, Chandler Jones before the CTE, uh, Nate Solder, Nate Solder before he decided to suck in uh, in New York, um, Logan Ryan, Nate Ebner. I mean, well, Nate Ebner you know, was more of a was more of a key special teams guy. Uh, but some of the other people he's drafted, Marcus Cannon, Jamie Collins, Deron Harmon, Jawan Bentley, Elandon Roberts. I mean, he he's had his fair share of misses, but he's also had his fair share of big hits as well. Those are really most of those guys are, what, 10 years? I mean, lately, I, do, I don't know. You can pick, If you're picking one or two guys out of every draft that are good, that's a, that's a bad draft. I mean, the, the really good teams are picking five or six, four, at least four or five good rookies a year. They're really, 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 right. really good. So it's like, I, I don't know. I, Not I don't know. I think it's time up. Can't, you can't keep them in any capacity. I, don't, I, don't, I think it's time for someone. I think Vrabel would be awesome. I mean, to, to think Belichick's going to suddenly improve or go back to the way he used to be when he's getting older. Uh, he seems like he's really stubborn and set in his ways. He's going to keep drafting the guys from small schools. You know, it's like, is he going to suddenly change? Uh, he'd probably just rather resign if they asked him to change anything. Right. Uh, now, now to, me, uh, to me, though, I would prefer to keep him as a coach as opposed to a GM. Bring somebody in, like, like for example, Nick Casario. Bring Nick Casario back, yeah. who uh, it, it has been rumored by those same people that are saying Brable for head coach. Uh, a lot of people are saying that Casario is their home run hit for general manager. If they were to if they were to need a new general manager, after they had previously let him go to Houston, and then Casario put together the team that you're seeing in Houston right now, and then he got fired. So, uh, you know, I think. I think it would be better, you know, give Belichick at least a couple more years as head coach and see if he can actually do something with somebody else calling the shot uh, as general manager. If not, then you decide to move on from him. But, 
you know, I still I still think that there is value to Belichick as an actual NFL head coach, um, as opposed to as a general manager. By yeah. the way, speaking of uh, speaking of Houston, uh, their rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud set a single game rookie record last week in passing yards with a 470-yard game along with five touchdowns. I mean, you gotta, you got to think he has the inside track for Offensive Rookie of the Year this year. Hell yeah. Yeah. Boston scores. I mean, I get, I get – I gave him some flack in the preseason, but he really has uh, he really has started to settle in there in Houston. Team yeah. touchdowns, only thrown one pick so far this year. Got it, man. And then on the flip side, 270 yards. And then the number one pick, who got obviously got picked ahead of Stroud, looks really bad. Right. Bryce Young, man, Stroud looks like the real deal. And who made yeah. that pick? Nick Casario. Yeah. Yeah, bring him back there. And then he got fired. Who is Nick Brad Casario? Wow. He is the former general manager of the uh, Houston Texans. And technically, uh, you know, some people would say that Belichick had the title of general manager, but technically uh, Casario was running things. Yeah, uh, in the front office before he uh, before he moved on uh, to Houston. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, I thought I would bring up that uh, that pretty good stat there. Um, you know, setting a rookie record for passing yards in a game. Uh, you know that that just tells you. Uh, what a what having a good NFL quarterback uh, out of the draft can do for a team. Absolutely. Uh, some injuries to report, unfortunately, uh, from the uh, around the NFL. First off, with the Giants, uh, Daniel Jones is officially out for the remainder of the season with a torn ACL. So now Tommy DeVito will be the official starting quarterback for at least the next couple of weeks while Tyrod Taylor deals with his injury. Uh, but needless to say, I think this basically puts an end to the uh, New York Giants this season. Yeah, it's the biggest spread you're going to see year. It's plus 18 tomorrow. <laughs> the Giants, man, I feel bad for them. Their injuries just been so bad. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh they have been they have definitely been very injury plagued. I think them and the Patriots this year have probably been the two most injury plagued teams, I think. Yeah. yeah. But uh he does finish this season uh with 909 uh, passing yards, two touchdowns, six picks, uh, while completing 67.5% of his passes. 
Uh, and by the way, yeah, Tommy DeVito will start at least the next three games with Tyrod Taylor being out for uh, with his rib with his uh, rib injury. So, uh, needless to say, the Giants are their season is practically over. Essentially, um, also uh, sticking with uh, sticking with the NFC. Uh, the Vikings announced that their newly acquired, one of their newly acquired players, uh, running back Cam Akers, who they had uh, gotten from the Rams, uh, he suffered a torn Achilles. Uh, who al- he also suffered a torn Achilles as well a couple of years ago, back in 2021. Uh, now. Now uh, he is out for the remainder of the season after rushing 60 times for 167 yards and two touchdowns uh, as he looks to uh, rehab and hopefully he'll be able to get back into, uh, you know, hopefully he'll be, he'll be able to get back into being the player that he used to be. Um. Also, uh, in the NFC, Dallas Goddard is expected to undergo surgery on uh, his forearm, I think, it, I think it is, and he will likely miss multiple weeks. Uh, I don't know if there's been an update on him, but uh, it said that he would miss at least a few, at least a few games. Yeah. Looks like a month. Um, probably, probably about four weeks he'll miss. And I mean, this honestly, this couldn't have come at a worse time for the for the Eagles because this comes like literally right after the trade deadline. So they can't really, you know, they can't they can't really go out and grab anybody to replace him uh, yeah, for that expected time. They're playing in Kansas City uh, next week. A little re- rematch. They could sure use Goddard. Oh, yeah, they got a month, probably about a month without him. But that's the worst part of yeah. sports, man. Keep on, keep on moving on. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he did, before the injury, he did catch 38 passes for 410 yards and two touchdown passes uh, or two touchdown catches so far this season. Uh, not to mention he's a huge part of uh, the offensive attack for the Eagles. So, I mean, this is a pretty significant loss. Uh, for them yeah. moving forward. But it looks like Jack Stahl will probably will probably be uh, the one that takes his place in the uh, depth chart until Goddard returns uh, because he did play the second most snaps among Eagles tight ends uh, last week. Uh, let's see. Browns head coach... Kevin Stefanski uh, has said that left tackle Jedrick Wills has an MCL sprain and he has now been placed on injured reserve. Uh, He will not be able to return until week 14 against the Jaguars. Uh, He suffered what was considered a high-grade MCL sprain, low-grade PCL sprain, as well as bone bruises in their win over the Cardinals uh, last week. And the report does claim that he is expected to be sidelined for around roughly six weeks. 
after being carted off in the third quarter of that game and obviously not returning. Uh, so now it looks like James Hudson will be earning the start at left tackle for the Browns uh, in his absence. Man, I'm telling you, you know, injuries left and right this season. Uh, matter of fact, you know, you could say that uh, we've really seen injuries really start to ramp up over the last, uh, quite frankly, over the last couple of years, uh, especially yeah, ever have. since they got rid of uh, one, uh, ever since they got rid of one preseason game. Yeah. I had to even yeah. cause much of a, of a difference, but apparently it has. That's going to be interesting. Just to look how many more injuries there now. You notice there's so obviously there's so many more. Uh, there's less recovery time, less days off. Of course, money, yeah. everything. So Goodell and the powers that be want you know games seven days a week if they could. But some, I mean, some mm-hmm. guys are playing Sunday nights, then they have a game Thursday. So they have less time to recuperate and rehab. I mean, maybe that's something to look at, too. These Thursday games. True. Some players are just playing more often than other players. I don't know. Then again, everyone's getting bigger and faster, too, with technology and training. And the collisions are worse than they ever were. They're the bigger the the hits. I mean, yeah, injuries are just getting more and more commonplace. Uh, Some other other notable injuries. Uh, Devontae Parker did not travel to Germany with the Patriots as he is out for his second straight game with a concussion. Uh, Also, Trent Brown uh, is listed as out due to an ankle injury, but also personal reasons. Uh, In my opinion, it's probably because he's in Belichick's doghouse for some reason. Um, However, though, it sounds like uh, well, then again, well, no, this was from a couple of days ago. This was before he was ruled out. So, yeah, he is officially out as he did not make the uh, – he did not make – well, he did make the trip, but uh, they said for personal reasons he'll be listed as out, which, in my opinion, I have a feeling he did something to piss Belichick off. Uh, and just like last week – when uh, J.C. Jackson and Josh, uh, or not Josh, uh, Jack Jones uh, were benched to start the game because of being late to a team practice or something. I forget what it was. Uh, But uh, I have a feeling he's probably found himself in Belichick's doghouse again. So it would not surprise me one bit. as well as as well as him, uh, J.C. Jackson is out this week with uh, due to personal reasons. Uh, I can tell you for a fact that J.C. Jackson was basically told uh, by by the team, "Do not come with us. Uh, you know, don't even get, don't even pack your stuff and get don't on the plane because yeah, because <laughs> you won't be playing. You get the James Harden so, treatment at the airport. No fly zone. You'll be hardened right. at the uh, airport gate." So I don't know. I don't know what the, I don't know what the hell is going on in that organization now. But uh, from you know all why. indications, it, it it sounds like the uh, it it sounds like a very toxic locker room from what I uh, from what I've read. The doghouse is not. Uh, doghouse is t- t- standing room only, man. Sold out. That doghouse is like 
half the roster's in it. Yeah. Uh, one player, though, who is coming back this week uh, is Kyler Murray of the Arizona Cardinals. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's finally decided that uh, that playing Call of Duty apparently was getting uh, kind of boring to him, so he has decided to officially <laughs> return this week. Um, and we'll start and we'll start at quarterback for the uh, Arizona Cardinals. I'm glad he's uh, taking a little bit time, a little bit of time out from his online gaming to attend a football game. Oh, I know, I know. Uh, instead of uh, you, you know, they claim. <laughs> They claimed that he was physically unable to perform. <laughs> what was that, Diane? I'm not wearing all those times. Playing got on yeah. games. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's been playing Call of Duty, basically. Apparently, they had to put something into his contract because he was, like, not studying the playbooks and Early missing Thursday. team meetings. Mm-hmm. He would miss team meetings because he wanted to play Call of Duty. And they gave him, like, $200 million. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, they they said that he was on the physically unable to perform list, but really uh, you could you could mark it as his head uh, was physically unable <laughs> to perform. Um, yeah. Yeah. Needless to say, though, he will be officially back uh, this week, as well as James Conner. Uh, James Conner uh, has been activated from injured reserve by the uh, Cardinals, so he will be able to play. Uh, this week after being deemed questionable uh, on the final injury report for this week. Uh, One other player that was not activated for this week, uh, a lot of people were expecting him to be, is Justin Jefferson. So Justin Jefferson will be out once again for the Minnesota Vikings, and he is still technically on injured reserve. Uh, But his 21-day practice window was enacted this week, so that means he has two more weeks before they have to uh, officially activate him off of the uh, injured list. Uh, another another player expected to play uh, for Arizona, Michael Wilson, will return um, from a limited uh, from limited practice time this past week. Uh, Stefan Diggs did not practice today, but due to a back issue, but apparently, uh, he has told reporters that he a hundred, he a hundred percent expects to play. You know what? That's another, uh, yeah, that's another, another one I want to, I want to get into here. Sean McDermott, uh, with Buffalo's struggles recently, could Sean McDermott be on the hot seat? Possibly. It's possible. They've been knocking on the doorstep for years, not able to get over the hump, and now they're... Oh, I hope he's on the hot seat. Yeah. What's that? I hope he's on the hot seat. Oh, yeah. Well, then again, I'm a Buffalo fan. Yeah, yeah, a lot of fans are not, not too pleased with him lately. Yeah, I mean he'd be a good. Yeah, for, I, I think he's surviving. I mean, hell, he's somebody I would want as you want to talk about potential Belichick successors. If they can't get Vrabel, yeah. I would love to. I would love to have McDermott as a uh, as the new head coach. I mean, three straight division titles for the Buffalo Bills, 
13 and three, two of those years. Uh, now, granted, of course, he ended up losing the uh, the closest he's gotten uh, out of all the years that he's been in Buffalo was in 2020 when they lost to Kansas City in the AFC title game. But you know, even though he has a five and four record this year, I I don't really think that his uh, based off of his resume, I don't think it calls for uh, for him to for him to be let go in Buffalo. I mean, uh, granted, let's let's assume let's let's just say that they don't make the playoffs this year. He will have made the playoffs four out of six seasons. Not bad. I I wouldn't say that's anywhere near uh, any reason to to uh, to let him go. No, not at all. I think it's just a matter of they've been so close, and after a while, it's like. With Josh Allen and as much talent as they have, if he's not quite getting getting to the Super Bowl, they might look to upgrade a little bit. I, he's a really good coach, though. Pats would, I'm sure the Pats would love him if he got let go. I don't know. He's been really good. But, you know, they have great expectations. The Buffalo fan base, I mean, dang, don't you want to see them get to the Super Bowl? They've been close. Maybe it might be time for a change if they keep falling just short. Yeah, I mean, I could, I could see maybe perhaps, uh, maybe perhaps there would be some sort of, you know, there would be some some sort of call for a change. But at the same time, though, you know, is it all? Once again, we go back to, uh, we go yeah. back to the uh, to the argument that we had with Belichick. Is it on the coach or is it on the general manager? Which in this case, in Belichick's yeah. case, it was on. You could say it's on both, uh, but you know, are, are the Bills' struggles more on McDermott or are they more on the general manager, the one responsible I think for McDermott? Yeah, for he's signing a lot of players. a lot of. He's drawn criticism for some of the play calling. He's been really conservative. I mean, it, Buffalo's always they've drafted really well through the years. I don't know. I think it's probably a little bit more on McDermott. Again, he's been good, but that that team's been always in the Super Bowl conversation, and they still haven't gotten there with Josh Allen. But after a while, they might be thinking, hey, maybe someone else can get us that last hurdle because they've been very close. You know, even Andy Reid kind of ran out of time, and he had all those NFC Championship games. He never got, never won the big one. They got rid of him. So no one's uh, no one's bulletproof. He, maybe maybe they're maybe they might get rid of McDermott in Buffalo. Well, it it sounds like there's smoke starting to uh, starting to go around that story. So who knows? Smoke is fire. Uh, fire but going staying in the NFL. Uh, let's just say that the wide receiver room of arrested wide receivers for Derek Carr may be the greatest of all time. Because uh, the four wide receivers that he's that he's had arrested on on on, on while he's on a team that he's that you know while he's on a specific team he's had Antonio Brown he's had Henry Ruggs who by the way his career is over to begin with uh, because of what oh, he did exactly. he had Chris Olave with a DUI and now 
he has Michael Thomas for the most recent incident as Michael Thomas was arrested on battery charges after getting involved in an altercation near his home. In particular, apparently he threw two bricks at a contractor's truck and pushed the guy over as well. Sounds like and, a Sopranos episode. Yeah, exactly, doesn't it? <laughs> That's how one of the Sopranos was involved. So it's, it says here he was arrested on misdemeanor charges of simple battery and criminal mischief around 7 p.m. last night, uh, according to Louisiana police through ESPN. Uh, this stems from an altercation that he got uh with a contractor in his neighborhood that led him to being taken away by police. Uh, the Saints confirmed that they are aware of the situation and we're gathering further information. Uh, the contractor, who has been identified as Luis Cifuentes, uh, told, uh, told WDSU, a, a news station in New Orleans, that at roughly 5.30 p.m. local time uh, yesterday, he, uh, Thomas threw two bricks at his truck and pushed him over. Sifuentes uh, has been working as the project manager for a home being built near Thomas's residence. And apparently the issues began two weeks ago when he says Thomas became upset that the construction crew was parking their cars on the street. Sifuentes uh, even said that at one point, Thomas even told him that if the cars weren't moved, his vehicle would get a brick or a bullet. And things apparently came to a head yesterday when Thomas allegedly threw the bricks and pushed Sifuentes over. When they were when I was doing my show, uh, his name was not released. Well, th- this is according to CBS Sports. No wonder I wanted uh, one of the ESPN. No wonder you get it. Uh, but it, it says here that uh, according to Sifuentes, he said he drives up and I see him get out. And I was like, I don't know what he's doing. I'm just worried about my job site. And he walks up to this big pile of sand and grabs a brick and he throws it at my car. And the guys are like, hey, man, your truck, your truck. Oh, dude, he's actually doing something. So I grabbed my phone and I start recording him. And he grabbed my phone and grabbed and pushed me, uh, according to WDSU.com. Uh, at one point, uh, Sifuentes and neighbors, uh, and neighbors of Thomas had said that Thomas was placed in a police car and driven away. Um, and he told them, he was like, man, listen, I cheered for you every Sunday. I never once thought I would have an issue like this with you, so now we're here. So basically, um, this all happens at, as the Saints traveled to Minnesota uh, this weekend to face the Vikings tomorrow uh, during tomorrow's slate. Now, it's unknown if Thomas is going to play, but still, you know, one would think that this would basically be uh, – it, it, would, it would basically be bad news for, you know, for, for uh, Michael Thomas uh, – you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't really expect him to play, quite frankly. Yeah, not a. That's, that's amazing. That four wide receivers of his teammates have been arrested. Derek Carr, quite the quite the roster right there of arrested uh, receivers. 
Oh. Oh, my God. Um, this just in. Uh-oh. Uh, Philadelphia, Philadelphia 76ers bench player Kelly Oubre Kelly Jr. was apparently hit by a car in Philadelphia tonight and taken oh. to a local hospital uh, for his injuries. Oh, wow. Now, it says, it says here um, that he is currently being treated. He is in stable condition. Uh, he was hit by a motor vehicle in Center City, Philadelphia. Um, representatives from the team, including 76ers president uh, Daryl Morey, are at the hospital with him. Uh, he is expected to miss significant time due to his injuries. Wow. Um, yeah according to Adrian Wojnarowski. Uh, however, uh, well, those injuries are not, are not expected to be considered season-ending. You just say we're alive. Yeah. Right. And it's, uh, it, it also yeah, says right. here that he was, walking, he was walking near his residence when he got struck. Wow. Thankfully, he's, so you know, that, hopefully makes a full been a, a really key player since uh, Lardo uh, buffet guy Harden hit the bricks. That's that's terrible. Right. I hope he's okay. Sounds like he'll make a full recovery. So that's great. Yeah, but I mean, the missing of a time. Forget about that. He's lucky to be alive. Right. Yeah, he's by a car. Yeah. No, it's not in stable condition. He should be good. But yeah, that's, that's yeah. yeah. And the, the Sixers are definitely going to miss his production. Uh, well, obviously, the the main important thing is that he's he's alive and he's okay and he's in stable condition. Yeah. Uh, the Sixers, though, are going to really miss his production depending on how long he's going to be out because through eight games, uh, he was averaging 16.3 points per game and 5.1 rebounds per game while shooting 50% from the floor. So... Uh, needless to say, this is a, a pretty significant loss for the uh, Philadelphia 76ers here uh, moving forward, depending on how long he's out. Uh, let's see. Uh, some other bits of NFL news before we move on. Uh, the L.A. Rams have signed Carson Wentz, which honestly is kind of surprising that Carson Wentz has gone this long without being signed this season, but – uh, last season, he went 2-5 and five as a starter with the Commanders, uh, throwing for 1,755 yards with 11 touchdowns and 9 picks, while infamously losing against the Browns to eliminate the Commanders from playoff contention. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's nowhere near the type of player he used to be, but he's a more, than, a more capable backup than Brett Ripon or the now-released dresser win. Yeah, a lot of Jets uh, fans were playing. A lot of Jets fans wanted maybe to look at him for replace the abomination known as Zach Wilson. But, I mean, once his reputation, man, ever since – even at near, near the end in Philadelphia, that's why the draft it hurts. The guy doesn't like to be coached. He doesn't listen to advice. He, he changes plays during the games against the coach's wishes. And apparently, the guy's a real deep yeah. Because physically he's a really gifted player, so it's like there's a reason why he's sitting at home waiting for someone to call him. I mean, I yeah, and then he's gotten a couple. His ex, his former coordinator, 
Frank Reich, remember on the Colts, brought him there. They were like good buddies, and they got rid of him. The Commanders got rid of him after only a year. The Commanders have been desperate for a good quarterback. So, Wentz has really just, I get almost ruined his own career by his actions, apparently. The guy's really physically gifted. You're right. I mean, it's shocking that he was available still. Like, no, really, he's become really unpopular with GMs and coaches. Yeah, it's needless to say, it's pretty surprising that he was even, uh, that it even took all the way until week 10 for him to yeah. be signed, even as a backup. Mm-hmm. It's and by the really way, gone. speaking of, speaking of quarterbacks, uh, the Titans, uh, and speaking of backup quarterbacks now, I should say, uh, Ryan Tannehill is no longer a starting quarterback in the NFL. As uh, regardless, something on that. Yeah, it's, it says here that regardless of how healthy Tannehill is, Will Levis is officially taking the or taking the reins as starting quarterback of the Tennessee Titans. And uh, it also says here that uh, Coach Mike Vrabel uh, said that he does want Tannehill to continue to prepare as if he were the starter, but there is clearly something here with Levis. Yes. And, I mean, he threw four touchdown passes in his debut against, uh, against the Atlanta Falcons. So... Right. I mean that. Now, granted, he did have a bit of a setback last week. Two hundred and sixty-two yards. He threw a pick uh, with no touchdowns. However, he did get sacked four times. But uh, you know, he had a bit of a setback against the Steelers. Uh, not sure that's all completely on him, though. But uh, well, I mean, this is this is his opportunity to show that you know they were right to give him an opportunity uh, to not, especially when he was, when he was falling considerably in the draft uh, for them to take him with the, uh, with the 33rd overall pick in the second round um, this past draft, when a lot of people were considering him to be a top five pick. So, in my opinion, I believe the Tennessee Titans look better with him at quarterback than they did uh, Ryan Tannehill. 100%. Yeah, he looks really good. Huge arm. He was awesome in Kentucky, and then his draft stock fell a little bit. But we remember, I mean, he had a Tannehill's days are numbered. Yeah, it, he looks good, man. Now, we do have one uh... – Actually, one. Wait a minute. One second. Let me uh, let me update this uh, to update it on the stories uh, tracker here for uh, for Blog Talk Radio. Uh, let's move on to college football for a minute here because big news in college football: Jim Harbaugh suspended yep. by the Big Ten as. Uh, he's been banned from the final three games of the regular season uh, due to sign stealing. Now that would take course from the school of the of the Houston Astros as well. So uh, you know, it kind of runs into itself. But yeah. <laughs> but uh, 
it says here that the sign-stealing operation was orchestrated by former staffer Connor Stallion. Uh, the punitive measure from Commissioner Tony Petiti of, uh, of the Big Ten falls under the conference's sportsmanship policy, which is not restricted by the same lengthy protocols and red tape that will likely carry the NCAA's investigation well into next year. Uh, the Big Ten decided that Michigan conducted an impermissible in-person scouting operation over multiple years, resulting in an unfair competitive advantage that compromised the integrity of competition. Uh, it stated that such activities compromised sportsmanship and affected the integrity of the competition. Uh, they did say this is not a sanction of Coach Harbaugh. Uh, it is a sanction against the university that, under the extraordinary circumstance presented by this offensive conduct, best fits the violation. Uh, however, it says while he will be banned from on-site coaching during the final three games, uh, he will be allowed to attend practices and other football team activities. Now, here is my question. Does this mean he is uh, is he also banned from bowl games and the playoff? Probably. I would, I would assume I would assume they would have to he would have to be that because he is uh, banned from the field for these three games. So I think that's going to be likely into the into the postseason, although we can't say for sure right now. But my guess is that he will be banned. Um, on the sideline for postseason as well. Uh, what what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on this, Alex? Uh, do you, do you think Jim Harbaugh uh, is not not only banned for these three games, but could he potentially also be banned from the postseason too? Yeah, I agree with Lou. I mean, it's looking that way. I think at the very least, since they just kicked off the investigation, for now they're just banning them. For the next what three or four games, that rests the regular three season. Games, three, so, games. three games. So if uh, where there's smoke, there's fire. We always say it. A lot of you know, yeah. common phrase, cliche for a reason. So they're they're there's in all likelihood he's he's gonzo, but they're they're threatening to break away from the Big Ten. They're they're crying, they're shouting to the mountaintops uh, that you know this is ridiculous. We're going to leave the conference if if he's gone. So Michigan's really causing a stink. It's going to be interesting. And then other teams were giving video of them to other teams. But this sounds like the Houston Astros again. So I think they're kind of screwed. I, I don't know. They're, yeah. The investigation just started. It's, I really can't say, but it doesn't look very good for Harbaugh. And he might just go, oh, you know yeah. what? I'm going to go to the NFL now. He might just go away to the NFL and leave the uh, wreckage in the past. Right, and it uh, now says here that uh, they also proactively planned legal action against uh, against the NCAA, uh, which has now been taken with the university filing a restraining order seeking an injunction with the suspension being held up. Uh, and the judicial officer who is tied to the case, uh, Timothy P. Connors, is a University of Michigan lecturer. Uh I don't know about I don't know about you guys, but to me that seems kind of uh, that seems kind of uh, conflict of interest there. Yeah. What do we think that an that an independent officer should be uh, should be assigned to this? Yeah, I would think. Yeah, 
He's a little biased. That's ridiculous. A little. Mm. <laughs> now it's it's uh it's stated uh in a statement released by the school. Uh, it says, Commissioner Petiti's hasty action today suggests that this is more about reacting to pressure from other conference members than a desire to, to apply the rules fairly, uh, fairly and impartially. By taking this action at this hour, the commissioner is personally inserting himself onto the sidelines and altering the level playing field that he is claiming to preserve. And doing so on Veterans Day, a court holiday, to try to thwart the university from seeking immediate judicial relief is hardly a profile in impartiality. Uh, To ensure fairness in the process, we intend to seek a court order together with Coach Harbaugh preventing this disciplinary action from taking effect. And the Big Ten did did stand firm in their decision, uh, stating that, that it reviewed substantial material prior to their punitive action. Uh, releasing in a statement saying the conference has received and reviewed extensive documentation and information during the course of its investigation. This includes the master spreadsheet and other documents and information that the NCAA made available to the university and which the conference now has in its possession, notwithstanding the university's initial refusal to consent to the conference obtaining such materials from the NCAA. The conference takes exception to the university's suggestion in its response that any determination in this matter is based on prejudgment and bias. The conference does not play favorites among its members, <coughs> Bullshit. nor does it take action toward its members based on prejudgment or bias. Failing to act under the extraordinary circumstances here could lead, uh, could lead other conference members reasonably to conclude that the conference has chosen to favor the university over all other members. Um, As well, though, uh, the NCAA has clarified its reason for sharing information from an active investigation with the conference in a statement that they gave to Yahoo Sports saying the NCAA takes competition integrity seriously and when the association has reason to raise time-sensitive issues with schools and leagues concerning competitive integrity, it has and will continue to do so. The NCAA received consent from the school before sharing the information referenced in the document. NCAA investigative and infractions processes will continue in this matter. Now, wait a minute. That statement there is contradictory to what the university claims. The university claims that they did not give such consent. We have the NCAA is claiming otherwise. I don't know about you guys, but something doesn't seem to be adding up here. Yeah. There's a lot that will be un- uncovered with the investigation. I, re- yeah. I really don't know. Now, uh, it also says here that obviously at the center of the probe is Stallions, who was initially suspended by the program but later resigned on November 3rd ahead of their Week 10 game against Purdue. Uh, He is alleged to have created and maintained a network of staffers and contractors to electronically record sidelines of future Michigan opponents to steal signals. 
Records show that Stallions purchased and distributed, uh, distributed tickets at 12 Big Ten stadiums, along with multiple potential college football playoff opponents. While, while sign stealing is not in violation of any NCAA rules, in-person advanced scouting and use of electronic devices to record signs is against the rules. Uh, so, I mean, basically of interest to the NCAA and the Big Ten is Harbaugh's role in all of these efforts. Uh, Harbaugh, to this point, has denied knowledge of, his op- of, of Stallions' operation or the alleged sign-stealing ring. Uh, NCAA bylaws state that Harbaugh can still be punished even if it is determined that he did not have prior knowledge of the violation. And this would also be his second suspension of the season after uh, after the university had self-imposed a three-game ban for him related to misleading investigators during an NCAA investigation into illegal recruiting and coaching practices during the COVID-19 dead period. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's just a whole bunch of controversies. And by the way, that that whole entire investigation, too, is still technically pending right now. Uh, Because the settlement that they had supposedly agreed to was rejected. So... Uh, yeah, he, he's now under investigation on two different inc- two different incidents. I mean, I gotta I gotta tell you guys, I don't know what you guys think, but I'm kind of thinking that, that you know we're we've probably seen the last of Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, and you know I wouldn't be surprised yeah, if we start to see I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see some. Uh, Potentially, some games get taken away from him, oh, meaning uh, meaning previous games, kind of like what they did with Penn State. Got to wait to see what the investigation says, though. I don't know. We'll see. Not looking good for Jimbo. Right, but I, I do. I do believe with our, our. I do agree with what you said, though, Alex. Uh, I do think that he is potentially going to just book it. For uh, for the NFL, hello New England, maybe that that'd be pretty that'd be pretty interesting. If you ever wanted up there? Yeah, but you know, I I was listening to to sports me or to NBA or to uh, Boston media, and they don't know if he could if he could handle the pressure in New England. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a lot of pressure on those. I mean, in that in that atmosphere, I mean, going against Ohio State every year, different animal in the pros. You're right, but I mean, he seems like a pretty confident guy. I don't know. I, I think yeah. he's good in the pros. Maybe not New England, but he's a pretty confident college coach. I don't know. But yeah, if this all goes, if the hammer comes down on him, he'll he'll probably just go to the pros. He's not going to be able to really – or another college, but if he's going to leave Michigan, you know, unless you land in Georgia, there's not a better job. So, maybe, you know, Ohio State, he's not going True. to the enemy. So, that leaves his, – his options will be in the pros. Going to want to go to a yeah. good team there. We'll see. I like the guy, but now yeah, going it's not to, a good look for him. 
No, it isn't. It it isn't whatsoever. Uh, and you know, the more the more stuff that pops up, the worse it gets, basically. Yeah, for sure. Now, going over to the NBA, uh, we have officially started the in-season tournament. Uh, and just to just oh, yeah. to give a quick rundown, just to give a quick rundown, a couple of teams. Uh, we're only about like two games into it, uh, but just to give a quick rundown, a couple of teams who have started off on the right side. Uh, the 76ers and the Pacers currently lead Group A. Uh, group B is led by the Hornets, the Heat, and the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, all of these teams with 1-0 and records. Uh, group C is led by the Boston Celtics with a 1-0 and record. Uh, technically 2-0 and because I believe – let me double check. Let me refresh this. Uh, maybe I'm game so two confused. wasn't tonight. So the play-in that happens all year, it's like once a week. I, I don't know what is going on with it. Bones Highland yeah. on the Clippers said he, he someone a reporter asked him what he thought of it and he's like I have no idea how it works. Even even some of the players are confused. <laughs> yeah, Weird. the play it's just pretty tacky to me. I, I I don't even know how it works. I'm no rocket scientist, but it seems pretty confusing. I guess they play like once right. a month for like a weekend, and then if they just like keep keep track of who's winning the playing games, I I, I don't know. It's, it's yeah, weird. it's weird because. It's weird because the Celtics played the Raptors tonight, which they ended up winning by like twenty points. But yet, yeah, uh, apparently it wasn't it wasn't a tournament game. Apparently, because it right. says they it says they play the Raptors on uh, they play the Raptors next Friday actually uh, as the next tournament game. So I don't know. What, I don't know. <laughs> I'm confused. I don't think I'll ever understand the plan. Whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, now in the West, uh, for Group A, the Utah Jazz, the L.A. Lakers, and the Portland Trailblazers have gotten off to a good start. More on Portland in a minute. Um, group B, the Denver Nuggets, the Houston Rockets, uh, lead Group B for the West with uh, winning, their, winning their first games. And... For Group C, the Timberwolves, Kings, and Golden State Warriors lead uh, lead their specific uh, Group C. With Oklahoma City Thunder, it looks like Oklahoma, it looks like Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, they're zero and two to start off this tournament, along with the Memphis Grizzlies and the Washington Wizards. So uh, those teams uh, sound. It looks just. Granted, uh, we don't know how many how many games are actually in this tournament, but uh, it's not a good start if you're losing the first two games of the. Uh, if you're losing the first two games, needless to say, you're probably eliminated from, uh, you know, from advancing. I think yeah. it's, uh, However, games. oh, is it seven? Yes. Oh, okay. So, I mean, uh, you know, losing the first two games is a bad start, but I don't know though. With uh, with some of those teams, I I almost I, I would say if anything, maybe Oklahoma City has the best chance to turn it around, but otherwise, probably not. Yes. Now going over, uh, going back to Portland for a second here. 
the Portland Trailblazers will be without Robert Williams III due to right knee surgery once again for the third right knee surgery in the last three years for Robert Williams III. He is officially out for the season uh, after originally being acquired in a deal with the Boston Celtics that sent Jeru Holiday. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, this is the opposite knee. So this isn't the – oh, yeah, this is even worse for Portland. Right, right. Oh, worse. my God, this is even worse. So this is the opposite knee that uh, that from the previous knee that gave him trouble. So this isn't on the knee that gave him trouble. This is the opposite knee. Oh, the same knee. Bad. It's the same knee over and over and over again. That's terrible. It's a new injury. No, but this is. But now he's a big man who has had major surgery on both knees. And now teams are going to want to see him play before they even think about uh, making any sort of move to acquire him. Or in Portland's case, they'll want to see him play uh, to see if he's even a part of their uh, if he's even a part of their plans moving forward. Yeah, injury stuff. That's, that's pretty much it. Yep. But uh, before the injury, he had averaged 6.8 points per game with 6.3 rebounds and 1.2 blocks a game, backing up DeAndre Ayton for the Trailblazers. And obviously, he came to Portland as part of the Drew Holiday trade, and apparently he was reportedly a candidate to be flipped in another deal closer to the deadline to a team that would need defensive help. Now, because of that, that prospect is now off the table. Which uh, it said here that he uh, he would he would have to consult with doctors to choose between undergoing a cleanup procedure or doing a more permanent fix that would end his season. And obviously, he chose the more permanent fix. Um. But obviously, of course, that means the end of his season. So, I mean, it's it's unfortunate, Alex, uh, considering the fact that Portland, you know, he, he was considered to be the centerpiece of that deal coming back. Now, granted, they also got Malcolm Brogdon, but Robert Williams was the more valuable piece of that deal for Portland. Yeah. And now, Aiden Brogdon, a million picks. I mean, he can't can't hit on every aspect of the deal. It just sucks. The injuries are injuries are no. terrible. So, it's gonna be harder to flip him now. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's, I don't know if this. It's hard to trade an injured player. So. I mean, it's unfortunate. Uh, I mean, it would be it would be one thing if it was the same knee. But now he's now right. now he's had surgery on both knees the last Ooh. three years. Yeah, I mean it's, it's almost I mean it's injury prone as Porzingis. So they're both injured a lot, and Williams got injured first. So sucks for Portland now. You know what I'm wondering though, 
I'm wondering if this will give Portland a injured player exception because he is on the hook for $25 million over the next two years. So I'm wondering if this will give them an injured player exception that they could potentially use down the line, depending on what, depending on where they are in the standings. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Aiden's been but, playing really no, well. It's, I, like, I like Time Lord a lot, but yeah, he's, he's a good bench player. It's a tough, tough yeah. break for them. No, it's, it's very unfortunate for them. Uh, now we go to the MLB free agency, if we can even call it that, because normally with right. free agency, normally with free agency, you would think that, oh, we're going to see some signings, right? Wouldn't you think? Yep. Yes. Nope. Instead, I mean, at the most, we've... At the most, we've seen maybe depth signings. Like I know, I know the Red Sox uh, made a uh, depth signing. Um, we know that uh, Yamamoto and Imanaga are expected to be posted uh, at some point this off season. Um, in particular, Imanaga. Uh, it's already been indicated that the uh, Yokohama DNA uh, Bay Stars have officially agreed to his request to explore the North American market. So uh, he will officially be posted at some point. Uh, they haven't officially posted him yet, but uh, at some point, probably within the next couple of days, uh, he will be posted. Yamamoto will be the same. Uh Honestly, I would expect any any deal with Yamamoto would have to be over $200 million, I think, uh, based off of his ability and also the fact that he's only 25 years old as well, as opposed to Imanaga, who's 30. Um, but like I said, uh, you know, the Red Sox, they made a, they made a minor move signing Mark, Mike, uh, Mark Contreras formerly of the Minnesota Twins, but, I mean, he hit 121 for the Twins. So it's, 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 it's another one of those depth, uh, another one of those depth moves that, okay, maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't, but there's no real actual, you know, nothing really to, to actually put in place. However, yeah. though, uh, the trade market has been seemingly on fire this week. As in particular, there's been a couple of trades that have gone through. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, they acquired left-handed pitcher Brendan Little from the Chicago Cubs in exchange for cash consideration. Uh, Little's contract was then selected to be added to the Blue Jays' 40-man roster. Uh, though I think that might partially be to protect him from the Rule 5 draft, potentially. I don't know. Uh, but he'll be basically bullpen depth for the Blue Jays after uh, registering a 4.05 ERA at AAA Iowa last year. Um, the Mariners, they acquired sent, uh, or catcher Blake Hunt 
from the Tampa Bay Rays in exchange for catcher Tatum Levin. Uh, Hunt, uh, the Rays got him in the uh, Blake Snell deal with the Padres. Uh, he hit 256 between AAA and AA last season. Uh, he may make it as, as basically a backup catcher, but it's notable that the Rays, even though they were very shorthanded at the position, they didn't think that he was even worthy of a 40-man roster spot. However, though, uh, with him being the number two catcher on the Mariners' depth chart at the moment, uh, they will give him that spot. Uh, Levins, meanwhile, is a eighth-round pick of the 2022 draft class, uh, he hit 286 with nine homers in 279 plate appearances for low A Modesto last season. Uh, considering he's already 24 and didn't have a great defensive reputation coming out of school, uh, basically the Rays are the Rays are hoping that they can maybe they can maybe turn him into one, into one of those other uh, magical players. That they've uh, that they've been able to uh, chug out of their uh, out of their prospect pool, but you know he's still going to have to make uh, considerable uh, considerable movements uh, moving forward in order to hopefully one day break it break into the major leagues. Um, however, there is one potential big trade in the works and at least it's being talked about uh the boston red sox uh, everybody knows that they're shopping alex verdugo there is one specific name that has come up and not to mention the unlikeliest of trade partners the new york yankees need an outfielder and they have a player who is in a very similar situation to Alex Verdugo and that's Glaber Torres. Glaber Torres is in the final year of his deal. The same with Alex Verdugo. And there is smoke circling Glaber Torres potentially being dealt for Alex Verdugo this offseason. Which, to me, I kind of wonder why would the Yankees even entertain this idea? Is it because of the fact that Oswald Peraza has hit the Major League roster? Maybe. I mean, I know they, I know they, I know they need help in the outfield, and obviously they're going to go after uh, Cody Bellinger in order to try and address that need. But if they somehow strike out on Bellinger, well, then again, who knows? They could get Bellinger, and then they could also get Verdugo as well. Uh, I find it interesting that they would be willing to move on from a power-hitting second baseman in Glaber Torres, especially after having a strong season, hitting 273 with 25 homers. 
I mean, let's start with you on this one, Lou. What do you What do you think about this report? Well, Flores, you know, Flores is because he used to be either. So uh, this move doesn't doesn't surprise me so much so much at all, considering you know, his numbers went down and the whole Yankees uh, were down this season. So it's obvious that this is going to be a this is going to be a right move to make. He used to be better. Apparently, it's worth noting as well that the Yankees have refused to engage Torres' camp on extension talks. And also, it's worth noting as well that the Yankees have shown prior interest in Alex Verdugo. Uh, Matter of fact, there was a, a reported deal in the works that would have sent Clark Schmidt to Boston at the trade deadline this year for Alex Verdugo. Now, what gets me here is that Torres is clearly the better player. Verdugo is coming off of a 264 average season uh, with uh, being a roughly league average hitter in three straight years. Uh, He's mainly known, if anything, for his defense. So it almost seems to me like the Yankees are trying to are yeah. tr- are trying to uh, do a trade off of power in exchange for defense. It looks like it. All right, what what are your thoughts on this uh, on this potential deal, Alex? I mean, I always look back to the old school. I mean approach of, you know, if you have two two pretty good players, which are both pretty good, I mean, infield's more valuable on the open market, right? Outfielders are more are easier to come by, easier to sign, easier to draft. So, I mean, labor plays is definitely more of a position of need. Verdugo's kind of become expendable in Boston. Uh, labor, even yeah. though he doesn't have great defense, I mean, he's a really good hitter. So I'm I'm surprised. I think Glaber definitely has more value. Um, I don't know. I'm not a big Verdugo guy, but I mean Glaber, he has some erratic yeah. defense sometimes. But he's a really good power power hitter at the middle middle infield spot, which is sought after, which is in high demand. So I would think the Yankees would try to get more for him. Honestly, um, I mean I'll tell you right now. That's pretty good. But uh, just just to include, I mean. Boston's got some damn good um, younger outfielders, too. So, Verdugo's kind of spendable. He's like the odd man out. It's a good idea for Boston. I think if I was New York, though, I'd want a little bit more for Glaber if I, if I was going to move him. You know, I think the thing also is that I think it's pretty telling that they haven't even engaged him in any sort of contract talk at all. At all. Who's that, Glaber or Verdugo? Yeah, Glaber. No, Glaber. Yeah, I thought he's Glaber. been really good. I mean, Lou, do you like him overall? I mean, he's a, he's a really talented hitter. Yeah. I know he's not a great fielder. But... Yeah, that's, that's the problem. Yeah. And they have a younger guy, like you mentioned before, who's a good defender. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Oswald, I mean, uh, that's... Peraza, yeah. Peraza, yeah. Peraza, oh, yeah, Peraza. I mean, Verdugo, I don't even think if I was running things in Boston, I wouldn't even start him. I mean, they have those younger guys they brought up. They have, um, yeah. what's his name? The awesome hitter 
who was hitting third and fourth from uh, where was he from Japan? The other oh, best uh, Yoshida. Yoshida's Yoshida. really good. Yeah, Verdugo's like yeah. the fourth guy there, or the fourth or fifth outfielder now. So I think his time's kind of yeah, up in Boston. With, I'm uh, surprised, especially with Rafaela coming up too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Rafaela, yep. So like I, I'm definitely more surprised that there's talks about Glaber moving. Verdugo, I figured would kind of hit the road by now. He, he he's gonna be get he's gonna be gone from Boston. I think. Kind of surprised though uh, with Glaber maybe being on the trade block. Yeah, I you know I thought it was I thought it was kind of interesting. Uh, I, I would expect that they would have that they would revisit the Clark Schmidt uh, talk that the Yankees were supposedly. Uh, oh, yeah. And by the way, that was that was rejected by uh, by Hein Bloom apparently. Uh, the Yankees wanted to trade Clark Schmidt. Uh, for Verdugo, but Hein Bloom rejected it. Um, I mean, honestly, you know, the the Glaber news just kind of seems to to come out of left field. But I'll tell you right now, if the if the Red Sox acquire Glaber Torres, they don't even need to look for a DH. He's their DH, unless they plan on putting him at second. Yeah, I mean that's the way to not have to worry about his glove. Plug him in the DH. He'd, he'd, he'd be great in the you know righty bat and the green monster. That could be a good fit. It's inter- it's I mean, it's, uh, the, I just wake me up though. I mean, I just it's gonna be, it's gonna be a, a you know, that's a long shot to, for me to even fathom the Yankees and Red Sox making a big trade together. Yeah, it's exactly. Never happens. You know what I mean? It's like two enemies. It's like a cold day in hell when that happens. I mean, they well, just don't even want to talk to each other. It, it maybe crazy things have happened, but I wouldn't expect that's that's a, it's a crazy idea that they would be talking about that trade. But hey, crazy things have happened. Yeah, ex- exactly. It was basically the last time the two sides made a deal. It was when the Yankees got Stephen Drew from the Red Sox, and and the Red Sox were basically just saying, oh, yeah. like, please take him, just please take him, <laughs> uh, take him, do us a favor, please take him. <laughs> You know, we'll even give you an extra player if you want to take him, uh, if you'll take him. Just just please take him off of our hands. Um, but, yeah, it was, you know, needless to say, it's, uh, I mean, Verdugo, there's, there's two places I can see him going. I can see him going to New York if they strike out on Bellinger, or I could see him going to L.A., back to the Dodgers. Because the Dodgers need out need outfield help too, apparently now. So, uh, yeah, he had a tough year last year. Have... Some of his antics. I just, right. I'm not a Verdugo fan at all. Well, we do ha- we do have a uh, a new head coach for the LA Angels, Ron Washington the third base coach of the Atlanta Braves. And listen to this coaching staff that he's bringing with him to L.A. Chili Davis will be the hitting coach. Torrey Hunter will be the first base coach. Eric Young Sr. will be the third base coach. Clint Hurdle will be the bench coach. And and Ryan Goins, who I have, I have no idea who the hell he is, but 
he will be their <laughs> infield coach. Quite the assortment. Some good former players. I mean, that's a pretty star. That's a pretty stacked coaching staff that yeah. Washington is bringing with him to LA. Now, if one of them could pitch seven good innings, they'd be in. They'd be in good shape. Yeah, no, they're accumulating a good stack. We'll see if they strip it all down though and trade Trout because Otani sounds like Otani might be going to LA, but we'll see. Or maybe Boston or New York. But yeah, that's. I like Ron Washington. He got a he got got in some trouble back in the day, but it's good to see him land back in a, in a managerial position. Oh, I agree. Uh, you know, he ended really up resigning. He ended up resigning back in 2014 with the Texas Rangers. Uh, That's right. A year after he just barely missed the playoffs with a 91 and 72 record. Uh, but he resigned after he finished that year with a 53 and 87 record. Uh, but let, let's keep in mind, this is a guy who once brought Texas to two straight World Series appearances, 2010 yeah. and 2011. Really popular players. So He's apparently a good manager, good coach. I mean, if anybody can turn around, if anybody can turn around a franchise. Ron Washington is the guy is the, is probably the best candidate apart from Buck Showalter that they could have potentially had. Yeah, good hire for Anaheim. And also, not to mention, he also won a World Series with the uh, being being the uh, one of the, uh, the or being the third base coach for the Atlanta Braves as well. That's right. And by the way, it yeah. is a it is a two year deal as manager, uh, according to Bob Nightingale. Huh. Not the longest, but, hey, he, he made it. He got he got the job, at least. Well, I think that partially has to do with the fact that he's 71 years old, I think. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I think that partially has to do with it. Um or maybe, maybe he maybe he just maybe he just uh, only feels like coaching two more years. Who knows? Yeah, it could be it. Yep. But uh, you know, another thing as well is could this play a part in Shohei Otani coming back potentially? Or one thing I'm wondering is could this be could he basically be a rebuild type of coach? Where. Uh, I mean, there's been talk. There's been talks that they might trade Mike Trout. Uh, you know, Shohei Otani might be out the door. Uh, could he base? I would find it hard to believe that he would agree to be to coach a rebuild. But I mean, we've well, I mean, seen him work with coming. young talent. Yeah, and this is his chance to be a manager again. I mean, he's their base coach before, so you know what I mean. He's the head guy now. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if Otani would come back because of him, but no, they would need gets, more. They would need more things. Uh, you know, they they would need to to do more stuff in order to uh, bring Otani back. I think he's. I think he's like seems like a popular players coach. So maybe they're bringing him in for a rebuild. That would be my guess. I think. Yeah, he's really popular. He's a well-respected guy. 
Yeah. Uh, that's a cool coaching staff, too. That's cool. Chili Davis. Yeah, story. I know. That's, that's cool that he's getting those, a lot of former players. In. I mean, talk about – you want to talk about star-studded. Uh, I don't know if you can get any better than that, plus Clint Hurdle as his bench coach. And yeah. oh, we wow. know Clint Hurdle's history as a as a uh, as a head coach. That's right. Yeah, that's a cool coaching staff. Right. I mean, he brought Colorado to the World Series in 2007. That's right. Back in the what Larry Walker days, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, Big was Cat it, was Colorado. It Larry Walker? I think it was, Wait, it was, was, it, was Larry Walker there in, in 2007? I think I mean, so, wasn't yeah. Wasn't the best Todd Helton, Larry Walker? It might be a different year, yeah. but I think that was, like, the best Rockies team I can remember. Huh. Maybe he was. Wait a minute. Let me see. Larry Walker. No, he uh, he retired uh, oh. earlier. Um, he oh. retired after 2005. Oh, yeah. But he was with Colorado uh, three years prior to that, though. Oh, gotcha. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, Ron, uh, Hurdle, you know, Clint Hurdle had, uh, had gotten them to the, uh, to the World Series in 2007. So, I mean, he has a plethora of experience uh, coming in as a bench coach. So, I mean, that this is probably maybe the maybe the best uh, on paper, the best coaching staff that the Angels have had in a while since the Socia days. Uh, speaking yeah. of coaches, by the way, uh, the Chicago Cubs made a splash this week, uh, stealing Craig Council from the Milwaukee Brewers yeah. to become th- to become their next manager. Uh, a five-year deal worth more than forty million dollars, and uh, they also fired David Ross, who, by the way, the Yankees are trying to bring on as a, as a bench coach. Uh, so, look potentially uh, if Ross doesn't get a managerial spot at, uh, elsewhere, look for him to potentially land with the Yankees as a bench coach. Uh, but. You know, this is a, this is a guy who the Brewers made a big offer to try and retain him, only to lose him to their division rival uh, after four seasons at the helm, where he went two sixty two and two eighty four. Uh, he also took the Cubs to the postseason in the short twenty twenty season. Uh, and the team ended up losing to the Marlins in the wild card back then. Um, well, this is actually this is David Ross's record, I should say, two sixty two and two eighty four, and he took to the Cubs to the he took the Cubs to the postseason in twenty twenty. Uh, but Craig Council, though, I mean, how long how long had he been with? Wait a minute, because he he retired as a Milwaukee Brewer, 
And then four years later, he came on as a head coach. He had been the head coach of Milwaukee since 2015. Uh, through nine years with the club as their manager, they made it to the playoffs five of those years, uh, going as far as the NLCS in 2018 before eventually losing to the Dodgers. So, I, I mean, I thought that was kind of surprising. Uh, yeah. Just looking, just looking at it as as it as it happened, like out of the blue. You know, when I was working, I was working uh, one of the days this week, and then all of a sudden, I got a huge notification from ESPN uh, saying that all of a sudden he had been hired, and I was like, wait a minute, doesn't he already have a position with the Brewers and? Lo and behold, uh, they stole him from Milwaukee. So I thought it was ve- I thought it was very interesting. Now, obviously, you know this sets Milwaukee back, who had literally just made the wild card this year. I think um, I don't know if they found a new manager yet, but uh, this sets the them back. And now the Cubs, you know, the Cubs, I, I would almost say the Cubs are in a little bit of a rebuilding phase as well because they haven't really gotten close since their, uh, since their, their win back in 2016. Yeah, but they did finish second in the division this year, so they might, might be on the upswing. Of course, they could, they'll get better. Well, maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's their way of potentially trying to uh, – Maybe yeah. maybe they needed a change in uh, a change in voice, so to speak. Yes. The Cubbies looked a lot better this year. They're kind of on the up, upswing a little bit. Although they're going to lose Bellinger, it sounds like. But yeah, they made some good strides this year. Uh, the Mets have also found their next manager, according to John job. Heyman and Joel Sherman of the New York Post indicating that uh, Yankees bench coach Carlos Mendoza uh, has been hired to lead the club in 2024. Uh, He spent 13 seasons as an infielder in the minor leagues with the Giants and Yankees before becoming the Yankees minor league coaching staff back in 2009. Uh, He last served as a manager at the minor league level in 2012 with the club's single-A affiliate in Charleston, uh, then he became a defensive instructor in the Yankees organization from 2013 to 2017 before being promoted to the major league coaching staff prior to the 2018 season as an infield coach. And uh, he was then named the bench coach to manager Aaron Boone shortly after the 2019 season. And he has thus uh, remained in that role for the past four years before eventually now taking over as the coach of the New York Mets. Yeah, they missed on council. And, like, the same day as a fallback, they, they hired this guy with no previous MLB managerial experience. I don't know. They couldn't wait a little bit longer to see who else was available. It's just kind of a Mets move. Mets are going to Mets. Yeah. I mean, they, they should have gone after David Ross. Yeah, at least wait a little bit. Why you have to sign someone in November? It was like a panic. It just seemed like it was definitely. They were all in on Craig Council, and he was playing them for more money to stay in the Midwest. 
and then they yeah. immediately signed this guy out of they signed this guy out of nowhere. Just kind of a thought they were getting better recently years, but it's kind of a mess move. <laughs> I mean, Ross was literally right there for the taking, basically. Yep. Yeah, I, a lot of a lot of other Mets fans were not too pleased. The head scratcher. We'll see what they're doing. I mean, Lou, Lou, what they're not. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, Lou, go for it, man. Yeah, yeah. Lou, what's your what's your take on this for uh, Carlos Mendoza become, becoming the new uh, the new uh, manager of the New York Mets? Well, you know, I really thought that you know that previous manager would have stayed a little bit longer. I mean, you know, after having 102 wins uh, you know, the previous season and just you know fall the face of the earth like that, I thought maybe he would have, you know stuck around for you know so staying around for at least one more year. So, uh, I don't know. You know, you can go either way. I mean, I'm not really too, too, too confident about this becoming uh, the next uh, uh, new manager. I think it's going to have to be, um, you know, waiting to see how much within like uh, a month or six weeks into the season. Because that, cause that really tell uh, where the manager and you know, the team is going to be headed. You, you can't tell right away. But from the season they had last year, I think they're on, a, I think they're on the wrong track. I mean, because you went from first in the division last year with 102 wins, and all of a sudden you fall off a you fall off a cliff like that. So, uh, you know, I think it's gonna, I think it's going to be a slow ride back up again. It seems like you know, for every one year that they have a good year, they have six or seven bad years. That's just how the Mets have been. Right now, the Mets. Uh... You know, it's not just their their managerial position that was in flux. Uh, now they have uh, they have just recently lost uh, infield or third base coach Joey Cora, who has accepted yeah. a coaching position with the Detroit Tigers. Uh, he had also served previously as the Mets infield coach, and his contract with the Mets had expired at the end of last month. Um. However, though, they are expected to retain pitching coach Jeremy Hefner under uh, under Carlos Mendoza. So if he does return, this will be Hefner's fifth season as the Mets pitching coach after serving uh, the previous four years under Luis Rojas and Buck Showalter. Uh, so Mendoza would be the third different manager that uh, that Hefner has worked with under the Mets. I will say, I mean, if he has a really good uh, minor league track record and then being the bench coach on the Yankees, he's probably a player's coach, go with player development with all the minor success. And then, you know, when they got rid of the Albatross contract with Verlander and DeGrom, or Verlander and Scherzer, they got some really good prospects. So maybe he helps with the younger guys because I think they might be rebuilding, at least for this year. Maybe that's why right. they hired him, because he's still with minor league players. So. It could be. It could, it, could, yeah. it could be specifically because he's a uh, because he he uh, a hiring like him, uh, especially with it being out of the blue, would signal to me that he that he's a he's basically uh, the type of coach that they're looking for for a rebuild. Yeah, because they're going to see Acuna's brother. So he would be and, basically uh, a transitional type of coach. Yeah. We'll see, man. It's going to be interesting. That whole division—it's like not as potent as the AL East, but when you got the got the Phillies and the Braves in that division, it's pretty wicked. So, 
Yeah. They got to mix something up. I just thought they could have done better, but who am I? I mean, like Lou said, you got to give him a little time. Maybe he's the next great thing. I mean, all those awesome managers, they were never a, never a head manager until they first got their shot. So I don't know. I True. Just, he wasn't the big name. But he wasn't the big name that you'd think that, you know, Mr. Big Shot, you know, Cohen, the owner, would go after. Yeah. But maybe they know something we don't. But <laughs> right away, I was a little bit like, who is this guy? I wonder what the Never the never the best uh, reaction when you have to Google the guy that got hired as the manager. But we'll see how good he is. Right. And uh, also uh, to round out the managerial uh, coach, uh, the managerial wheel here. Uh, the Cleveland Guardians have hired Stephen Vogt to be the replacement for Terry Francona as their new head manager. Uh, Vogt, who recently celebrated his 39th birthday, made his big league debut for the Rays back in 2012, uh, going on to play with uh, five more organizations over his 10 years in the majors, including six years with the Oakland Athletics, uh, he also played for the Brewers, Diamondbacks, Giants, and Braves throughout his big year or his big league career. Uh, basically, he was he, his best years though came in uh, in Oakland, where he was named an All Star for both the 2015 and 2016 seasons. Uh, also says here that he was hired by the Mariners previously to act as a bullpen and quality control coach out there in Seattle. So kind of a, kind of a bit of a surprising, uh, you know, a, a bit of a surprising hire, I should say, maybe more surprising than Mendoza with, uh, with, uh, with New York, because at least Mendoza had some sort of managerial experience. Granted it was minor leagues, but Stephen Vogt, he's basically had one season as a quality control coach. That's it. So I just think that's a little bit surprising. With vote, I mean, the Guardians, Frank Conn is awesome. Yeah, it's such a small market team. Whenever they're getting quite good, it's like they, they, they just lose guys over money left and right. Right. Yeah. The, the, the Guardians ownership, Shapiro, the owners will not spend any money. Sucks for the Cleveland fans. I know. But uh, with that being said, uh, that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. Um, we're going to, yeah, we're going to end the show a little bit early tonight. Uh, I will add that we will be back next uh, Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. Uh, Don't forget, Survivor fans, Thursday night, the Survivor 45 recap show uh, will be be back. And obviously, uh, any Big Brother fans, if you guys missed it, uh, we did our last edition of the Big Brother 25 recap show. Uh, You can listen to that on the archives. And uh, if you guys are interested in doing so, you can join the Whispers groups by going to Facebook and search for either Survivor Whispers, Big Brother Whispers, or Sports Whispers, and you can get in on the discussion uh, there by doing so. Um, 
With that being said, though, uh, thank you to Lou, thank you to Diane, thank you to Alex for joining me this week, and uh, we will be back next Saturday night with another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly.